Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only show that dares to be both on topic and usually on location. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single concept around a premise. This episode's premise is embracing the bottlenecks of storage bandwidth. Before we begin, let's meet who's on the panel today. Hi, uh, Christian Moon. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Hubble, which is a long story, so I won't spell it out. Uh, and my blog is on vninja.net. Hi, my name is David Klee, and I'm the founder of Heraflux Technologies and Sequilibrium Education. You can find me on Twitter at, at KleeGeek, because, well, I'm a geek. My name is Rob Coper. Uh, I'm a storage administrator. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at 50 uh, mu and my blog is 50mu.net. Now, most of us who have been storage administrators for our careers, and I count myself in that, and I think uh, all three of you could probably count yourselves in this group too. Well, for one thing, we're not as boring as you think we are. But for another thing, we've spent the entire time uh, throughout our careers fighting bottlenecks. Um, I used to say that uh, the whole story of enterprise storage, the whole history of enterprise storage is just one of moving bottlenecks from one place to another. Just as soon as you overcome one, you uh, encounter another one, whether it's controllers or interconnects or networks or even like disk drives themselves. Remember when the disk drive was the bottleneck and we were trying to get around that with RAID? Anyway, um, what we've seen in storage architecture these days and systems architecture these days is a fundamental change to how we approach this problem. We're not talking about tearing down bottlenecks or improving um, just, just exponentially everything everywhere in hopes of never having any latency and having unlimited throughput. Instead, it, we're embracing them and we're saying, look, there's going to be bottlenecks. We need to, to, to say that we like slow storage over there. We like fast storage over here and we're willing to put up with the challenges of managing all that. And I think this is a fundamental change. So I guess, uh, Rob, let me start with you since uh, like me, you're an old school storage administrator. Does this like, get under your skin to think that we're not gonna fight bottlenecks anymore? Yeah, um, fi fighting bottlenecks ha ha has always been uh, the issue as you, as you just said. Um, what, what I've been seeing in, in my environment is that you can you can uh, speed up, for example, the, the fiber channel speed of sand switches, go from two to four to eight gigabit and, and, and even faster. But uh, we've come across a lot of problems um, that all the uh, equipment had to uh, match that speed. So we, we, we settled at a, at a speed for example, eight gigabits, and then we matched every uh, equipment that was on the sand to the same speed. And that's one bottleneck uh, that we agreed, up agreed upon. And the way to, uh, to deal with that is, well, not make the speed higher, but make more of it available. So instead of one times eight, you can also do four times eight uh, to get more speed. So that's that's a thing that's that's been on my mind for for the last few years at least, um, and for for the rest, well, uh, of course there are uh, new um, uh, technologies. Uh, we move from spinning disks to uh, SSDs to NVMe uh, host, uh, of course, uh, higher CPU speeds, uh, more memory. Um, you you can never get rid of of bottlenecks. It's, it's just make 
make the, make use of them in, in the most efficient way. Yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing the same kind of thing, right? It's everything is going to quicker, uh, faster, more agile, lower latency, whatever. But there is a limit to how fast we can actually do anything. Uh, it's depending. We need to match kind of the bottlenecks in a way with the applications or the services that are going to use them, and 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 kind of figure out how which fits which application fits on what storage. Secondary storage is one thing, cloud-based storage is one thing, local storage is one thing, right? And we need to kind of marry those things into a coherent kind of infrastructure that works instead of trying to just put more coal in the fire to get it hotter and, and give everything the same kind of speed. That doesn't work. It doesn't scale. Exactly. And in my world, I deal with really large database systems. And you know, the standard DBA mantra applies. I want all of your storage, all of your CPU, and I'm going to eat it all now. <laughs> and it just doesn't work like that anymore. You just simply can't throw millions and millions of dollars at these things. Now we have to start matching. You know, What are acceptable bottlenecks for a different type and class of data in a given workload? You know, if I've got a petabyte database, I'm not accessing all of that right now. So put most of it on slower storage. Those are acceptable bottlenecks. Work with the bottlenecks for the, the primary storage. And it could be the controller, could be the interconnect. We're dealing with something right now where we're maxing out a hundred gig interconnect and that's fun, but that's still a problem. But let's just get most of that data off of there. The thing that I came across is that um, I deal with, with customers uh, sometimes and th they always say, give me the fastest storage, give me as, as much as you have, give me the fastest host uh, to run my application on. And then you tell them what, what kind of money is involved with that. And then they uh, suddenly don't want data application. They don't want the fastest storage and they, they themselves uh, go back to their bottleneck. What is acceptable and what is not? And often uh, the, the customer doesn't really need the faster storage. Uh, if you talk to them and, and, and uh, meet their expectations, then you find out that uh, getting rid of the bottleneck is, is, is not what you want. Well, it is what you want, but uh, getting rid of the bottleneck is, is not where the customer needs to go. Um, just match what they need and you'll be fine. I think that's the most interesting aspect of it is that it used to be sort of this weird conundrum where um, we didn't have unlimited performance or unlimited capacity or unlimited anything. You know, I mean, everything was very severely limited. And at the same time, addressing those things meant that any solution was going to be rapidly escalating in price to the point of unaffordable. But now things have really changed architecturally to the point where, um, you know, an average laptop or server has NVMe flash that can outperform anything we've ever seen in the data center in, in the entire history. Um, storage systems, uh, enterprise storage solutions are being built around these technologies, you know, NVMe. Um, you know, we've got Optane persistent memory, we've got flash everywhere, you know, disks have been pushed, and suddenly we can deliver something we never could before from a technical standpoint at a, at a, at a price that's affordable. And so it's really changed the way we approach the whole architecture, right? It's changed the way I approach it from a, a big data perspective in, in a tremendous way. You know, just like you said, in the past, it's I'm going to throw everything that we've got at it. But now the bottleneck, as you, as you speed up everything at the foundation, the bottleneck moves closer to the user. 
And the question is, how close do you need it? What's acceptable? And what's acceptable for a given type of workload? And to piggyback on what Rob said, I do a lot of sizing for a lot of these kind of machines. And you know, I might find that 10% of their workload needs fast and really fast. And 75% of what's left needs, you know, not bad. So, you know, let's work with those bottlenecks on those pieces. And then, then some of the, you know, backup storage, secondary storage, who cares? As long as I've got decent throughput, I don't care about latency, it's just for backups, things like that. Yeah. And every, everything moves in, in, I mean, in, in cycles again, right? Uh, so we have this few years ago before virtualization, every local server had their own local disks. And then we put everything on an array and figured it should perform. And then you have all of those kind of IO blender mixer things going on, uh, which we now can solve with NVMe, but we're still kind of differentiating between them again. So we, what, old, what was old is new again, right? So we're moving things around. We're putting some of it in the cloud. We're putting some of it on secondary storage. And, and, and I, I also think that a part of this is the uh, mindset around the, uh, the cloud kind of way of consuming services and applications, right? So you pay for what you need. And once you kind of put application owners in charge of paying for their actual need instead of their fairy tale wannabe storage, that flips the coin because they're actually accountable for what the investments that are being done are. So that's also helping in this regard and, and placing the bottlenecks where they, well, well, they belong in, to be honest. Yeah, and in that case, the bottleneck in some cases can be budget. <laughs> You know, exactly. How much do yeah. you actually need and how much are you willing to pay for? And yeah, when it's no longer free to them, oh, suddenly all these bottlenecks might actually be acceptable. Yeah, let, let the customer work it out themselves instead of you thinking, what do they need? Just they know how much money they have. They know how much more they can get. And they know eventually what is acceptable. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's another really interesting aspect here is that it is these the limits that have been placed on modern applications like cloud scale applications that have led uh, the developers and database administrators finally to admit that they don't need everything. Because you know once when you have everything at your fingertips in a flexible manner, and when your credit card is on the line, suddenly maybe you start approaching things a little differently. So, you know, I'm developing a web application and I realize that S3 is literally unlimited in terms of capacity, but not in terms of uh, performance. And yet, and yet it's so flexible and so integrated and so wonderful that I want to use it. Suddenly you find ways of re-engineering your application to use that storage differently. And we've been fighting this fight forever, but suddenly, uh, we find the entire stack embracing it. Is that is that right, Dave? And I still find that DBAs generally want everything now. <laughs> they are a particularly stubborn bunch. And I say that because I am one. Um, DBAs historically wanted everything. They want as fast as possible for every spec of data that they've got. Not a lot has changed with that. When you go up in the rank at an organization, then they're starting to realize this and it's starting to come down the organizational silo, but DBAs in particular haven't quite learned that one yet. I, I wish they would. <laughs> 
So let's uh, kind of turn the page and talk too about what's happened with the development of storage systems. And I think that that's one of the things that I've found most amazing in, in recent years as well, is that just like the application owner or application developers are recognizing that there are different classes of storage, you know, different levels of performance, different levels of latency, different levels of capacity, scalability, all those, all those questions. Uh, so too are the developers of storage solutions. And so at storage field day 22, uh, as opposed to at storage field day one, um, we're seeing systems that are almost unrecognizable as storage systems. So I remember spending a lot of time obsessing over scale up versus scale out and dual controller designs and all of these kind of like old school storage engineering questions. And now all of that is basically out the window. Like we don't even worry about RAID levels anymore. Remember when like RAID 6, everybody's arguing about what is and isn't RAID 6. Well, now we kind of don't care. I mean, it's like nobody uses that garbage anyway. So everything's different. Um, disaggregated storage and different levels of storage at different points of the pyramid, that's the norm now. Um, and how does that change your perspective on storage? Uh, I'll throw it at Christian because you know, you've seen a lot of different storage solutions over the years. How does a disaggregated storage solution or even like a software storage solution like vSAN or something, how does that change your, your approach to storage generally? Well, it's, it's like you said, right? You don't care about the RAID levels on the physical hardware anymore. It's policy-based. It's You define a policy and that's what you get, right? If you have sized everything correctly in the back end and everything is on scratch there, but but it kind of eliminates all the storage specific kind of knowledge in a way uh, for the administrator part of things. You still have to architect it properly. You still have to use proper kind of uh, both software solutions for it and, and and the hardware as well, which is one of the one, one that's one of the things that's been an issue with software defined storage is. The, that you can actually pick and choose whatever components you want, and then it might not totally fit, and then you try to coerce it to fit, and then it crashes. Uh, so you still need to know your stuff, but it kind of moves everything away from, it It, it does with storage what, it what we did with virtualization, basically, like abstract away things, which opens a new kind of worms, but it's flexible. As a DBA, my experience is now polar opposite, which is fascinating because let's say five, 10 years ago, me managing big databases. Okay, I've got hot data. I got 20 year old data. I got data that people are accessing right now. Throw in one bucket. The storage is all the same. It's fast. Okay, well now look at today. I'm inheriting, I, I've got one right now. I have a single database that is 471 uh, terabytes. It's still one big bucket. 99.9% .9 of that data is just sitting there. Somebody might look at it once a year. So now as a DBA, I have to start learning storage architectures because now I have to figure out how do I slice and move and carve my data around to put it on the tier that's appropriate for that type of data and not just do it once, but then find a mechanism that moves older data from faster storage to slower storage when the time is right. And the education side of this from a DBA perspective They've not been exposed to this kind of hardware before. They just assume storage is storage. And now I'm having to go educate people all over the place to help them understand what needs to be done to take advantage and work through the bottlenecks where appropriate and move this data around. 
That's uh, that's kind of funny, David, because what you're doing there is basically replacing what we did with storage arrays years ago with hot and cold tiers. Yep. And now you, the DBA, has to manage that instead of me, the storage admin, which suits me fine. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know the data. I don't. Exactly. That's, the big, that's a difference, right? Exactly. The bottleneck has now become the person at this point. I'm wondering, David, um, can you actually classify the data in your really big database in such a way that you, you, you somehow uh, can make a decision on what data you have to move to another database or another disk or oh, sure I, I really wonder how, how do you do that depends on the system but in some cases there's simply a flag last access time all right yeah yeah in in other places it's simply data older than a certain point in time you know sliding window like two or five years things like that in other cases who knows we're dealing with a bad application design and i have no way to mark it so you're kind of at a guess by looking at just simply access patterns by table and by index and things like that so it's kind of all over the place there's there's ways they're not very fun but there's ways i guess if you did that a few years ago when we were still on spinning disks um running all that analytics also cost performance so you start nagging about the performance, but you were actually causing the problem oh, by yeah. doing this. Oh yeah, I mean, the monitor for performance <laughs> is a constant drain on performance. And it's just, yeah. it's hysterical when you sit back and think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember back in the day trying to get uh, DBAs to allow me to run um, agents on their hosts so that I would have any insight at all into even like basic questions of like, you know, capacity utilization. And it was always like, no, that agent is going to kill my performance. And now it's very different. You know, I mean, I think now there's, there's a much more integrated approach to architecture. There is. And yeah, back in the day, I would tell you just good luck. DBAs are a stubborn bunch. Today, it's kind of an assumption. Most of telemetry is pretty lightweight. So it's it's better than it used to be, but it still can happen. I found a security tool just a couple of days ago, 25% performance penalty on a big database server. It was eating more CPU than the database engine. <laughs> so it really is ironic that we've gotten to the point now where because we can offer unlimited capacity or even unlimited performance, I mean, effectively unlimited performance, um, it means that suddenly we're starting to look at these things differently. I think that maybe it's almost a mindset difference, whereas back in the day, it was one of those cases where um, it was always a fight. It was always a battle to see, um, you know, Every time you're, you're you're provisioning storage for an application, it was it was like li like literally going into battle. You got to arm yourself with all the data. You got to walk into that room and you, and you have to have, you know put on your game face because you know what's going to happen. You know they're going to want more and you're not going to be able to give it to them. Now, I mean the the doors are blown open and um and you know you can they can have anything they want. You know, oh, you need like, and we've seen that with uh, some of the companies that have presented at Field Day. You know, some of the things that, like I said, with with like Optane. You know, you look at these companies. You know, like Hazelcast and and you know Memberge and so on that are doing amazing things with memory um, as storage. Um, and then you look at some of on the flip side, some of these companies that are doing you know scale out uh, object stores and so on. You know, we never had that capability before. Um, so anyway, it's just it is it is just a pretty remarkable thing. I mean, I, I guess um, you know how does this how does this change how we uh, how we storage people assess the products that we're looking at? Are we looking at them differently? I mean, is mid range storage, middle of the market storage, still a thing? 
And what I'm seeing with customers locally here is, it's, and again, I come from the virtualization side of things. So that's kind of my viewpoint on pretty much everything. Um, so it's, well, it's a lot of software-defined storage for virtualization right now for VMs and stuff like that. And then we're looking at, we're seeing secondary storage for backups, a lot of that. And we're seeing pretty much NFS for whatever else, if it's not software-defined. And that's it. So we're kind of done with the fiber channel, iSCSI, uh, fiber channel over token ring uh, wars. Um, uh, we're not talking protocols anymore. We're talking specific latency, disk, access times, seek times, and policy-based management, and that's it. We're, we don't really care that much about the underlying infrastructure anymore, as long as it's actually there. Um, people care when it's not. That's a different story. But, but So we're kind of not doing all those, uh, those uh, holy wars about protocols and all of that stuff. Everything's an API these days anyway, so who cares? Exactly. My world is even simpler. Latency. Read, write. I don't even care about IOPS anymore. I just assume that the IOPS capability of the storage is greater than what I need. So literally, what's the fastest possible transaction time that I can get to change data? And when it comes to reading data, what tier do I need? That's literally my world right now. You know, vSAN, fiber, iSCSI, I don't care. It works. I just need it to be faster than what I need. interesting faster than you need and so not as fast as you need well i gotta have headroom because people, <laughs> people are storing more and more data every single day and yeah. databases are a living breathing animal you know i, I like to tell people that the clothes that your five-year-old wears aren't going to fit them when they're 10 data grows over time i need headroom to be able to allow this thing to live and breathe and expand as needed. You know, I don't need to go buy a Ferrari if I'm just going to get groceries, but I need a minivan that's going to allow me to cut over in front of somebody to go merge onto a freeway. Look, look at it from the, the storage admin side. Um, you want more than, uh, than you need. Uh, why, why don't you uh, agree? Well, uh, why don't you accept simply what you need and let us deal with the with the, with the technical advancements that uh, the storage equipment uh, can get in a few years so when you need more we have new equipment it automatically is faster it, that's so your headroom i oh. i'm i'm gonna speak as a jaded dba here if you keep up with the technology and yeah. if you're able to deliver what i need three years from now then awesome I'll ask for what I need today and you keep up with me. <laughs> yeah, and we all know that's not, uh, that's not happening. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> that, that's why a lot of stuff happens to move to the cloud and then actually move back again uh, as <clears throat> people realize the cost of actually doing that. <laughs> Exactly. Keeping up with this stuff is hard. You know, it's honestly how I named my company, Constant Change. You know, it's hard. So as a DBA, we generally ask for more than we need up front, knowing that the volume of data is going to grow, knowing that the organization, I don't want to say can't keep up, but has more difficulty keeping up than some of the other application layers. So one more thing I want to bring up is, um, you know, we keep 
are we drunk on performance? Is that what's going on here? Because if I can, so my, my, my friend, uh, our friend, uh, Shinfa, uh, over at his Storage Gaga blog recently uh, brought up a blast from the past, John Tuigo's Holy Grail of Data Storage Management book. And he brought up uh, Tuigo's uh, framework for enterprise storage. And um, there's a big long list of things that are required, eight things that are required for something to be considered enterprise storage. Performance is only one of them. Um, are we drunk on performance and have we forgotten about availability protection, accessibility recovery, management, security, and compliance? As a DBA, I just assume all of that's there. <laughs> You know, from a storage admin perspective, you all make me assurances that all of those are in place. And then I'll just abuse your storage just like always. Okay, Rob, Christian, are those things in place still? Yep, they are. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm a consultant, so it depends. Uh, I mean, a lot of that stuff is now moved over to the application layer more than it is on the storage layer, right? Uh, a bunch of applications, be it SQL or Oracle or other applications, do their own clustering for high avail availability. Do you need to then replicate that data between data centers, for instance, for, uh, for high availability concerns? Um, I would say that it, for the most part, it's easier to do that or better to do that in the application native tools than doing it on a storage array because then you don't have to have similar storage arrays on both sides, and you you can do it in software and otherwise, otherwise as well. But for the main part, for the storage admin side of things or the virtualization side of things, I would think that it's much better to leave that to the DBAs and let them wreck their own stuff instead of having me do something that I'm not sure I understand how the transactions work, and I need to replicate that to a secondary site. It's much better to leave that to the guys closest to the application and the data. So again, moving the bottleneck back to the application owners to define them at least what they need. As and if there are native tools, use those. As DBA, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, actually, I agree as well. Let, let, the, let the DBAs or the application owners uh, uh, set up their own uh, high availability and, well, yeah. I, I'm it's happy true. to I'm happy to provide the infrastructure for them to do mm -hmm. that, but they they are the guys or girls or aliens or whatever that actually knows the application and the data. I don't. Yeah. So let the people who knows the application, the data, the availability requirements, the 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 performance requirements, and everything, actually manage that part of it because they actually know what they're doing. Well, calling application owners aliens is perhaps the most storage admin thing I've ever heard, and it's also so true. Um, I'll, I'll own that. No worries. So let me let me uh, ask you guys to sum up here. Um, the premise of today's discussion was that it's time to embrace the bottlenecks. Um, are we doing that? Uh, let's just go around the horn here. David, are we embracing the bottlenecks? I think we are carefully. You know, we, we just like we all said, you now have the potential for unlimited everything. And now we're saying, you don't need that. Let's work with what we've got. Let's work with what's appropriate for the type of data. And I think you know, managing it appropriately means we're going to simplify the environment. We're going to work within the bottlenecks of a given tier. And we're going to be smarter about how the data is being managed. Christian, um, embracing the bottlenecks? 
Uh, not as much as we should. Uh, we're still doing a lot of, let's put everything on the same kind of storage thing, uh, be it external storage or, or local um, software-defined storage. doesn't matter. We're, we're still kind of doing that IO Blender thing, and we're allevi kind of alleviating some of the issues by using NVMe, but it doesn't, that doesn't actually fix the problem. It just masks it, right? So we, as storage admins, also need to be push more for doing separate kind of storage for separate kind of data. We need to kind of spearhead that part of the architecture design as well. We can't leave everything to the DBAs. That, that, that won't work in any way. Um, so yeah, or leave it to aliens for that part. I mean, we need to kind of find those islands of data and appropriately size those for the specific data. And we need to help the application owners, DBAs, virtualization admins, or application admins, or whatever, to actually define those goals and, and, and make that happen. Because that's the only way we can, can actually move on from putting everything in a single basket. Rob, uh, are you ready to embrace the, the bottlenecks? Well, I, yeah, I, I, I agree on Christian's story. Um, um, work with what, you, what you've got. Uh, leave uh, a lot of um, uh, high availability decisions uh, to the application owners and provide your application uh, owners with the hardware. Let, let, let the storage admin manage the hardware and uh, let the application owner uh, care uh, for the, for the uh, high availability. Yeah, that, that, that's a trend we've, we've been seeing the last years. 10, maybe 10 years, and it's it's getting more and more uh, like that, indeed. Yeah, as for me, uh, you know, my perspective as a storage admin is simply that, uh, you know, the job of the storage admin has always been to remind everyone involved of those fundamentals of storage, um, to remind everyone involved that we have to think about availability and protection and accessibility and, and, and management and compliance and all those other things in addition to performance. And you know, in the old days, the only way to achieve some of these things was through the use of a centralized storage array, like a RAID system. Nowadays, we've got a hundred different ways to take advantage of these and to, to deliver these things. It always made more sense to move availability and recoverability and backup and everything closer to the application instead of having it be some some function of some low level you know storage array. And so I personally am excited to see the fact that we finally have technologies high up in the stack that can provide the kinds of availability you never could get without like a high availability fiber channel storage array or something in the past. So yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a possibility here. And I, for one, am, am ready to embrace our alien uh, partners uh, on the application side, just as long as they keep in mind that there's more to storage uh, than performance. So thank you all for joining us today. Uh, before we go, I'm gonna go around the table here. Where can we follow you uh, and catch up with you uh, and follow your thoughts on enterprise storage and other topics? And is there something recently that you'd, you've done that you'd like to call out uh, special attention to, Rob? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at 50mu uh, or my blog 50mu.net. Um, my interest at the moment is, is going to to NVMe, I'm, I'm not uh, really going into the software uh, 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 solutions uh, myself, but 
um, that, that's where my, my interest is at the moment. David? Uh, you can find me over at davidklee.net and at Twitter at, at kleegeek. Uh, and actually, I just two weeks ago released a blog post on how to take a single SQL Server database file that might be massive and distribute it to more data files for more disks and better distribute across your storage. So exactly what we're talking about here, how to properly use the storage tier that's appropriate for the data to get better performance when you need it. And Christian? Yeah, you can find me at Hubble on Twitter and vninja.net uh, for my blog. Um, I haven't published anything lately, but I'm, we've been working a lot with VMware Cloud Foundation bring-ups in the last few few months with my, my team at Proact. So that's kind of where my main focus is right now, is, is deploying large-scale VMware Cloud Foundation solutions. And as for me, uh, you can find me here at the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast. You can also find my other podcast, Utilizing AI. Uh, we're starting a new season, season three of Utilizing AI in September. Uh, excited for that. Uh, one thing that uh, you can catch all of us at this week is Storage Field Day. Uh, if you go to techfieldday.com, uh, August 4th, 5th, and 6th, we're going to be hearing from a bunch of interesting companies, Infrascale, Intel, Citera, Comprise, Fujifilm, and Pure Storage at our Storage Field Day event. And all of these videos are going to be published at techfieldday.com, uh, as well as our YouTube channel, YouTube slash techfieldday. So if you're excited about storage like we are, uh, there's a lot of great content that's going to be coming out just as soon as you uh, listen to this podcast. So please do join us as well for the Storage Field Day event. And thank you so much for joining us uh, for the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast. If you enjoyed this discussion, please do subscribe. Uh, we publish a new episode every week or two. And uh, please give us a rating or review on iTunes since that does help. And share this show with your friends, not just the storage admins, but the application aliens need to hear from us too. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. And we'll see you next time.